he rushed over to me, put his hands on my cheeks and lifted up my face. And he said, mama, we will see her again. If she dies, we will see her again. And we didn't even talk about death. And that's where it's like, your heart is like, holy cow, my kid just aged in front of my eyes. And that to me was bitter sweet. <laughs> like he's such a wise soul for how old he was when he found all this out. And it also is sad because it's like he had to grow up and know what death was at such a young age. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. I'd like to welcome you all to today's episode. Today I have the honor of interviewing somebody I am speaking with for the first time. Uh, Lisa Price, who is the founder of Grief, Breathe, Believe. She herself is a grief wellness coach, and she founded this organization based on her own grief experience, which we will hear about today, but she helps other bereaved parents um, go through their grieving process and accompany them in that journey. And I am just so honored to have you on, Lisa. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Kendra. The honor is all mine. This is such a privilege. Thank you so much for accepting, even though yeah. we do not know each other. it's Isn't it amazing <laughs> that after starting, I don't know if this happened to you, but after starting like the Instagram page for this podcast is when I realized this amazing community that is oh, yeah. out there of support and other people that are doing very similar work to mm-hmm. support others that are grieving. So, yeah. um, so yeah, it's just amazing. So thank you again thank for agreeing yeah, to be you. here. Of course. So thank you. Lisa, so tell us a little bit about you, your family, where do you live? What do you do? And then we'll dive into the the, the meaty part of this conversation in a little bit. Right. But, uh, yeah. Well, um, you had mentioned that I'm a grief uh, wellness coach for bereaved parents. Um, I myself became a bereaved parent in 2017. So my inspiration of starting Grieve, Breathe, Believe and the course that I created um, for bereaved parents uh, is inspired by my daughter. And of course my son too he is um, eight years old now. Um, I am also a dance teacher, so I have um, that aspect of movement to help me uh, with my grieving process. And I use my 30 plus years of both dancing myself and teaching um, just to help um, with overall wellness as as one of the main focuses for bereaved parents as they grieve. Um, so we live um, in a suburb, suburb um, just west of Milwaukee in Wisconsin. Um, I've been married for nine years to my um, very supportive and amazing husband, Brandon. 
Um, and like I said, we have two children, Chase, who is eight years old, and then Ari, who passed away um, about three and a half years ago. Thank you. Thank you so much for, mm -hmm. for sharing that. What kind of dance do you teach? What kind of... Um, mainly I am like the contemporary ballet jazz teacher, um, but I was trained all the way through my dance career in tap and um, ballet, jazz, lyrical, contemporary. Um, so it's just been a part of my life and a true passion of mine for, for a long time. And now I see it as now, less competitive and more of it's an actual healing right. and therapeutic yeah. That's me. what I was going to ask. Which one of the modalities do you feel that when you're dancing, you actually are able to move through your grief, you know, that allows mm -hmm. you to move your grief through um, even more? Which modality do you use for that? I love lyrical because it is connecting to the actual lyrics of the songs that you're using. And um, Hillsong is one of my favorite, favorite groups. Um, so I Hillsong. use a lot of... I'm writing that down. Yeah, Hillsong. you got to listen to them. Um, okay, okay. They are one of my favorite um, groups to listen to and to choreograph to. Um, they're a Christian band um, that comes out of Australia. Um, but just any any slow moving so that I don't have to rush through um, any slow moving lyrics and songs, I'm able to create that movement to express what's going on in the inside and get it out of my body in a way that helps me mourn because grieving is different, obviously, than mourning. Mourning is that yeah. outward expression. And yeah. to the, to the, to my students or to the naked eye, nobody would think I'm mourning. I'm just dancing. <laughs> um, but yeah, lyrical by far is my favorite because I connect to the music the most and um, just let the music kind of move move my body and, and it helps me heal. That is so awesome. You know, I heard uh, that description, uh, that difference she involved, and I'm going to, here's my, here's when I, I told you my span, my accent <laughs> would come out at some point. The difference, you see differentiation, I can't. The mm -hmm. difference, let me just put it, let's just see <laughs> the difference between grieving and mourning. Mm -hmm. uh, grieving just happens to us and mourning yeah. is something we actually do in order to help us grieve. So right. mourning is the action of, so the dance, yes. the journaling, the, mm -hmm. you know, writing a poem, the planting a tree and honor somebody. So yep. that's the action. So, uh, and I, I, it's so interesting because I had never, I, and I'm trying to think if in Spanish, I don't think we have a a word for mourning. And so mm -hmm. I had never really realized that different difference between the two mm -hmm. um, yep. till not long ago, actually, till I started doing work in the grieving community. Yep. Same um, here. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. Cause we just associated being like the same, but yeah, right, it's a little right. different. So uh, take it. So you've been married for nine years. Tell us a little bit, how did you and Brand Brandon or Brendan, did you say Brandon. E or A? Brandon. Brandon. I always yep. have to ask. Brandon. How did you and Brandon <laughs> meet and, um, and a little bit about your family dynamics. Sure. Um, we met actually, it's probably almost 19 years ago. Um, so we've been together for quite some time, but, um, just, a a birthday party of like, um, a mutual friend. Um, so we were out, um, and he made me laugh. Like nobody's ever made me laugh. And it was an immediate connection. However, I was seeing someone else at the time, but <laughs> spent, spent, you know, most of the, the party talking to him and was just very entertained by him. And just, you know, it, it, it made me feel good. Um, yeah, so three I'm months later, <laughs> no, <I'm> yeah. <laughs> 
No, he knew. <laughs> um, but then literally three months to the day, I had already broken up with the other guy I was with, but um, we ended up seeing each other just by chance again. And um, just, he remembered my first and last name and every part of the conversation that we had. And I just thought that was so special and so um, unique because no one has ever made me feel that way. You know, like nobody ever made me feel like they cared that much about every detail that I had talked about. So just conversation was, was great. And obviously, like I said, he made me laugh. So, um, so yeah, we, uh, we waited about nine years before we got married, you know, just dating. I mean, we never were on or off, but, um, just really enjoyed being together and enjoyed one another's friendship, um, as well as the love that was building. Um, and we got married in Mexico, actually in Cabo, um, right in front of the ocean. And it was, um, very hot and sweaty, but it was perfect. Oh yeah. It was just our anniversary. Yeah. So I saw that picture and it's so, so beautiful. How many people mm-hmm. were able to attend the wedding since it's a, was a, what, a we had, um, believe it or not, we had 13 people there and 13 is a really special number for us. So 13 people were there. Yeah. And I, and that's one of the things I, I'll ask you too, because of your, I realized that your, your program that you do is 413. Mm-hmm. And I want to yeah. ask more about that when we get to that point. So okay. that, why that number is so important. So, yeah. um, so then you, uh, you got married. So then how, mm-hmm. I mean, your oldest is eight now. So, yep. so uh, within... what, did you guys, yeah, what were your planning in terms of parenting and so forth? Your Well, we got married a little, I mean, we weren't older. I mean, we were a little older, but, um, you know, we knew we wanted to start a family right away just because of our age. Um, I was 32. Um, and then we got pregnant with our son. Um, so, uh, within, I would say a few months we got pregnant with him. Yes. Um, so he is, yes, now eight years old. Um, and his pregnancy, I mean, during that, I mean, I think my body was made to be pregnant cause I was never, never had morning sickness. Um, my labor and delivery was, um, people are going to hate me for this, but very almost painless. <laughs> um, like I didn't know I was having contractions when I went to the hospital after my water broke and they're like, you're having a major contraction right now. And I'm like, Oh, cool. What? If this is what it's going to be like, then, you know, <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was it's so, it's so interesting how we yeah. have to be like careful about like sharing. I know. Yeah. People are going to hear me when I say that. I love, I love, yeah. I love Cause that. I have two sisters that, you know, have had, you know, morning sickness and, um, lots of, uh, what is that heartburn and, you know, just uncomfortableness. So I'm, yes, I tiptoe around when I say how well my pregnancies went. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So then you had a easy then delivery and then, um, how old was he then when you guys started either, did you guys start planning for, uh, you know, uh, being pregnant again, or was it, you just kind of just allow, uh, the course of things to just kind of happen. Did you guys know that you wanted more than one child? Yeah, we, we definitely knew we wanted more than one and, uh, we waited a little bit just so that we, you know, gave Chase, um, the opportunity to be the baby and to, um, you know, just experience what it's like to be with just mom and dad. And, um, you know, kind of wanted him out of diapers too, (laughs) um, before trying again. But, um, you know, when we started trying, it was, um, you know, just kind of putting in God's hands. Like we, I never was like a, a counter or, um, kept track of anything, um, fertility wise, um, just kind of let nature 
um, do its thing. And um, we ended up getting pregnant pretty easily um, with our daughter, Ari. When you were ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. So now we're going to talk a little bit about Ari. And so tell us then about um, your pregnancy with, with her. Um, still very similar. Um, however, um, at 13 weeks gestation, um, Ari was diagnosed with trisomy 13, which is a chromosomal um, disorder or abnormality. And the reason that we found that out was um, I was of advanced maternal age. So my doctor had suggested get, getting the screening done for that. Um, and this is quote unquote, she said, for peace of mind. Um, mm. So now kind of looking back, because um, we didn't obviously do that with Chase. I was a little bit younger. Um, but I looking back, it was just kind of like, yeah. Right? Yep, I was 37. Um, yeah, yeah, and so, that's like geriatric, right? I know, they right? Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> so they make you feel really good. <laughs> yeah. Now um, I yeah. see the 13. Now I see the 13 right here. So uh-huh. that was, here's weeks. one time I'm thinking, yeah. yep, now, and the 13 weeks and the, mm-hmm. and it was trisomy, the yep. name, and tri- trisomy 13. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so like I said, trisomy 13 is a chromosomal, um, abnormality. So everybody has two chromosomes in every cell of their body. Um, two of each chromosome, I should say. And, uh, trisomy 13 means the 13th chromosome she had tri, so three. Um, so that just affects a lot of development, um, of the organs. Um, every trisomy 13 case is very different. So they try to, um, give you, you know, some, some measure of what to expect, but like I said, every case is different. Every child is different. Um, and most, unfortunately, most, um, parents are told that their child is incompatible with life. And, um, fortunately our medical team, our doctors did not say that to us because, um, and I had, as I had said to you before in our pre-interview, um, I would have wanted to punch the doctor if that would have came out of their mouth. Um, because I believe every life, every child's life is precious and is a gift and obviously a miracle. Um, so they have to give you the choice to choose to carry or um, terminate. And without question, we chose to continue and carry. Um, so from there, it was that anticipatory grief because you are told that they have a lot of life limiting um abnormalities. And when you go to, you know, ultrasound after ultrasound, um, they'll, they'll tell you all the things that are wrong. Um, Mm. but fortunately we had a medical team that was very sensitive to that and, um, told us more things that was going right. Um, of course they kept, you know, very factual, but they also gave us things to hope for and, um, Ari kept fighting. I mean, she was in fact, like thriving in my tummy. Um, she was a little bit smaller, but, you know, a couple of heart issues, but she kept surviving and that was amazing to us. And, you know, we, we continue to pray for a miracle all the while, you know, you're still trying to plan for what the future would hold if we were to bring home, um, a child who would have, um, such special needs, um, Mm -hmm. and, and need, you know, extreme medical assistance. So, um, we, like I said, we're very fortunate that we had a medical team that was very um, caring uh, ab- about our, our daughter. And uh, we, in fact, at one ultrasound had a nurse who asked if she could share her story of her daughter who um, had um, trisomy 18. And oh. um, she passed away a few days after her birth um, at their family home. And um, 
the words that she said to me that still to this day stick with me um, and have helped me on my grief journey the most is um, you can let this make you better or bitter and you get to choose. So ever since those words left her mouth. And say, can you say, can you say that again? You can let this make you better or bitter. You get to choose. Mm. You get to choose. Yeah. And actually that is like my LLC is actually better, not bitter mom. Um, and ended up doing a DBA with Grieve, Breathe, Believe just because of searchable reasons and everything. But to this day, Better Not Bitter is is what gets me up, what helps me choose. Um, mm-hmm. Even going from bitterness to anger, it's that next step up. It's that next reach higher to feel better. Um, wow. So during that time then of that anticipatory grief, mm-hmm. did you guys have any support of um, for example, other people that maybe had had ch- had children with special needs and kind of preparing yourselves for what that was going to be, maybe preparing yourselves if she was not going to live, like what were some of those things you did during that process or was it something you just did as a family? Um, mainly as a family, um, because we knew that we wanted to keep her comfortable. We didn't wish to do any extreme measures um, because it didn't change the fact that she had trisomy 13. Her brain wouldn't tell her organs what they needed to do. We even went for like a second opinion um, about her heart to see if heart surgery was an option. And, um, you know, again, it, even if she had heart surgery, it wasn't going to change the fact that her brain would not be able to tell her heart actually what to do. She wouldn't know if she was hungry. She wouldn't know if she, you know, needed to, to go to the bathroom. Um, and so we just chose to, um, do what we could to keep her comfortable and feel loved the entire time. Um, so our medical team, you know, they knew our birth plan. They, they, we did fill that out. We met with like social workers and, you know, everybody that comes in the room kind of as they're, they're gearing up for, um, your labor and delivery process. Um, our family was huge. And of course our, our faith was Mm -hmm. like, I, I can't look back and imagine not having the faith that we do. Mm. It's not perfect, Mm -hmm. but it's there and it is on our foundation. Yes. It is our foundation. Um, So yeah, that anticipatory grief, it's like you're trying to plan, like I said, for this miracle, because you know God is capable of that. And at the same time, the worldly version of us is like, well, we have to plan something. We have to either plan bringing her home. Do we have to move? You know, we have to call a funeral home in case that happens. So it was just emotions all over the place. But luckily, you know, we do have a great family support system. Um, and like I said, our, our faith in our church. It's so interesting what you were talking about, the planning, right? Because a lot of us, when we're expecting, we want to know the gender of our child so we could plan. Oh, let, let's plan. Let's plan. Is it going to be a pink? Are we going to paint the wall pink? Are we going to pick the, you know, blue, yeah. this, what are we going to buy? And those things that are looking at it now, I mm-hmm. like I found out both genders of my children and partly was because of these things and like thinking that it's so oh my gosh like so superficial at the end of the day because it's like all the right so trivial compared Mm -hmm. to the type of 
thoughts and um, and emotions that went into the process of your pregnancy and the thinking of not knowing, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it just puts things in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm like here. I the the here come the chills. Here come my goosebumps again. I always I always have those moments in these yeah. and it's in these conversations that just. Oh, uh, thank you for for uh, for sharing that. And the holding on to the faith to your faith had mm-hmm. faith been a part of your life um, all your life? Had it been how you'd been brought up? Had it been something that you, as a couple, had embraced, or as a family in your, or, or how how was it that um, that you were yeah brought up? Mm-hmm. Um, both my husband and I were uh, raised Catholic. Um, but it wasn't until after we actually got married that um, we were rebaptized um, in a non-denominational Christian church um, that we called home. Um, and going to that church and um, literally getting into the Word is where our lives changed. Um, and we, you know, had a relationship with God. And it wasn't just—I mean, my Catholic church. I went to school, kindergarten through eighth grade. We went to church every single day. But I don't remember opening a Bible once, you know, so it was just very um, regimented, very um, mechanical, more mechanical. Not, yes. Yeah. Yes. The I didn't feel so. that connection. Yes. I had that belief, but I, I didn't feel the it. Connection. So your uh-huh. connection really started then after we were years prior, mm-hmm. after you were married. So just yeah. a few years prior to her birth. Mm-hmm. So that is mm-hmm. amazing because had you not had already that mm-hmm. connection and belief, who knows how differently right. your uh, grieving process might have been too, right. had you right. not really had that trust and faith yes. in God's will. Mm-hmm. Um, so now when she, tell us a little bit about her birth and sure. um, and then what happened next. Sure. Well, she came on her own terms. My water broke at uh, 37 weeks and four days, which was the exact amount of time that I was pregnant with my son before um, my water broke. Um and so she um, was born just after midnight on April 13th, 2017. Um, you know, she suffered a few uh, apnea episodes, um, but came through, you know, while we were in the hospital. Um, her brother and extended family um, met her. And we, of course, had the pastor from our church come and, um, you know, just dedicate her life to God. Um you know, we were able to bathe her. We were able to uh, read to her. My son uh, was just learning how to read at four. And so he even read a little special book to her that still sits on his nightstand um, and just cuddled her and gave her every ounce of love that we could. And that's what she gave back, right? Um, as a baby, they can't do too much else other than just give you all of what they are. Um, and one of our goals was to uh, get her home. So as soon as um, my epidural wore off um, and we decided, you know, not to take any extreme medical intervention, um, we were able to drive her home. And she lived a total of nine hours and 51 minutes. Um, but after we stepped foot inside our house, she lived for 30 minutes and then passed away peacefully in my left arm. Mm-hmm. Which when you told me that I just could just mm-hmm. just picture that you know her right next to your heart in that mm-hmm. moment when you mm-hmm. said left arm and very specifically I could feel yeah. that that was that connection to your heart and your yeah. your whole being. Yeah. I saw a picture you posted of Chase holding her and his gleaming mm-hmm. 
smiling mm-hmm. face, just radiating, you know, joy. Yeah. Um, and it was just so moving. And to know first off that you have these pictures and, of her and, and that he has pictures with his sister mm-hmm. and, um, and that he got to meet her. Um, how did you talk to your four-year-old either? Did you talk to him through the process of your pregnancy about mm-hmm. the fact that maybe, no, did yes, you talk we did. about it? We did. Okay. How yep. was that conversation? Would you mind sharing that? Absolutely. I think that's my, my tears of emotion here. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, he is like our real life superhero because he, mm-hmm. even throughout the pregnancy, um, but now just watching him as an eight-year-old develop still brings her up every day. We still pray to her for her, um, blow kisses to the sky. He draws, you know, every time he draws about our family, she is literally there in that picture, you know, so he is, um, in the truest form, the best big brother that we could have ever asked for. Um, and I know she's so proud of him. Um, but yeah, throughout the pregnancy, um, he, I feel like it was a week before we found out that she had trisomy 13 that we told him that uh, he was going to be a big brother. And we have the video of that and everything and, you know, ear to ear smile and um, just so over the moon because he had been asking for a sibling for quite some time. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, once we found out that she was sick, that's kind of what we, we said in the beginning. Um, obviously we didn't say trisomy 13 or maybe we did, but it wasn't something that, you know, he would <laughs> memorize. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we just said her heart was sick because that was definitely probably the biggest um, issues. One of the issues that she had, um, but, you know, bought books to kind of prepare him for a sister who might look different, um, mm. might have tubes, might have, um, you know, um, before we knew if she had a cleft palate, you know, we talked about her face might have some, some holes in it and you might, um, you might, um, see some things that you don't typically see and she might not be able to come home and play the way that normal sisters come home and play. She might not be able to come home at all. And so I remember distinctly, and I wrote this in my journal, um, uh, one day when we were playing on the floor together in the living room and he, um, he had said, so, so Ari's not going to be able to come home and play. And I said, well, we don't know that yet, but we're going to pray that she gets to do that. But if not, just know that she is always your sister and you are always her big brother. And so then I started to cry and mm-hmm. he rushed over to me, put his hands on my cheeks and lifted up my face. And he said, mama, we will see her again. If she dies, we will see her again. And we didn't even talk about death, you know? So it was just, yeah. And that's where it's like, your heart is like, holy cow, my kid just aged in front of my eyes. And that to me was bitter sweet. (laughs) Like he's such a wise soul for how old he was when he found all this out. And it also is sad because it's like, he had to grow up and know what death was at such a young age. Um, but I'm thankful that we didn't um, say that, you know, like sugarcoat anything or, you know, we were, we were truthful and honest from the beginning. And I think that is so important. And we used the word death or died. We didn't use the word like she fell asleep because I didn't want him to be afraid of falling asleep or think that she was going to wake up. Um, 
That so, is so important truth. what you're sharing right now. So mm-hmm. important because that words are so powerful and we sometimes yeah. end up sugarcoating things because we, we think that we're doing our kids good by doing that. Just mm-hmm. like, I mean, this happens in even other moments in life. Uh, I've mm-hmm. had this conversation with like, um, for example, when a pet, this is like when a pet dies, right? These are moments mm-hmm. and uh, of an opportunity to be able to start introducing our children to the concept of death. And yet sometimes we still choose to protect them from that experience by saying that the dog just went uh, to a farm or the dog, you know, or, you know, is in a, in a you know, not explaining right. what happened. And we are um, missing out on those opportunities sometimes to really be able to prepare our children. And I think a lot of us, you know, probably were sheltered in certain opportunities in our life because our parents Mm -hmm. were trying to protect us from, from going through grief. Right. Yet at the same time, it's, it could be so um, harmful too. So Mm -hmm. that is a a wonderful uh, learning experience that you just shared there about really being open with and even though he was young you were still um, open with all the possibilities that could come of that Mm -hmm. um so once she once she passed away then like how was that moment um how was it for you she's in your arms in that moment what what um what what happened well I was forever changed in that moment and like the nine hours and 51 minutes that she was alive was the most present I have ever been in my life. And at the most, you know, at peace, because I know I was such a forward thinker, worrier, um, and even past thinker of like, what did I do wrong? And, you know, what could I have changed and always kind of created this, um, almost self-suffering, um, or self-sabotaging the current moment, because I was always worried about what was ahead or, thinking back to what had already happened. So a gift that she gave me, you know, was definitely being present and teaching me to do so um, because all that was happening in those nine hours and 51 minutes of probably chaos going around, you know, on around us and everyone else being very worried and, and unsure to how to help us and, you know, medical staff coming in and out of the room. We were so at peace because our family of four was together and all I wanted her to feel and all my husband and son wanted her to feel was loved and held and warmed and comforted. So she taught us to just be in the present moment that you're currently in. And, you know, that's just one of the many lessons that I continue to, um, you know, take forward with me on this journey. That is just so beautiful. Thank you. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the ways and what did you all do as a family to honor her um, I mean, I mean, you honor her even just now with the work you do, but um, how was her, her passing, her memorial or what, you know, what, what kind of ways did you do to honor her life in that moment? Well, our family came over immediately after she had died. Um, and so we had, you know, a few hours before we had to um, 
give her physical body over to the funeral home. And um, the three of us uh, took Ari in um, our bedroom and the four of us were together and prayed over her um, and said kind of our final goodbyes before the funeral home came. Um, and that was probably actually the most traumatic part was actually giving over her physical body. But mm-hmm. I kept saying in my head, this is not her anymore. Her spirit, her soul is in heaven. Um, this is just her, her tent, her shell. And that's what we all are. And we will see her again. So it was still obviously the most devastating and excruciating thing to do. Um, but I think if I wouldn't have my faith, right. Um, Mm -hmm. and knowing that I will see her again and knowing that that is an absolute promise that I hold on to, that I am able to, you know, be courageous and brave and live out this life, um, in the way that God is willing me to do. So, I think that was both obviously a gift from Ari and from God of showing that courage and that bravery that she displayed to survive pregnancy, labor, you know, and delivery and to make it here to us, to make it to our family home. You know, how could I not be forever inspired by that? So it's an honor and a gift to share, you know, her life, her story in the work that, um, that I'm doing now. Um, we did have a memorial for her. Um, about a week later, uh, she was cremated. Um, and, Literally on the way to the memorial, the um, funeral home said her cremains were ready to be picked up. So we actually had her um, ashes at the memorial service, um, and we weren't supposed to. So that was another mm. another gift. Another gift. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And it was a very small, um, very small celebrations uh, slash memorial. Just to sell, I mean, I I do call it a celebration because I wanted to celebrate her, you know, uh, her fight Mm -hmm. to get here. Um, And I spoke. um, I still have the handwritten um, letter um, on my nightstand. Um, And Chase, actually, our son. little comic relief walked around with a Kleenex box and kept giving Kleenexes oh, to everybody. Gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh, kitty yeah. pie. <laughs> so there's my, yes, yeah, there's my little superhero again. Um, oh, and my, my brother-in-law actually surprised me and spoke and so did my older sister. So, mm. um, it was just, you know, so much love and, uh, just expansiveness and connection that happened, you know, in our family, just from, that short amount of time that they got to meet Ari too. It was like, she is forever ingrained in everybody's heart, everybody's head. And, you know, has, has made our family even stronger, um, extended family, you know, and, um, I I was going to ask that because it's definitely changed the core of your, your unit. Mm -hmm. So how has it been then for not only her life, but also for people around, you seeing the, those that are close to you, seeing how you guys have assimilated and been carrying this, your journey, your grief journey, how has it impacted them, their life? Like how, you know, what are some of those things you've seen in the family dynamics that, um, I don't know if you've already kind of noticed some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for sure. Just like I said, the connectedness, I mean, I, I was close with my siblings, but it brought us even closer. Um, and, um, my girlfriend, um, she would always go to church, but her husband wouldn't. So I remember her, I even saved the text, her texting me a message and saying, Ari is moving in so many ways beyond what you are sometimes aware of. Um, and she said her husband had gone to church with her, um, for the first time. Um, Mm. 
we sent out um, postcards because we had, um, you know, lots of people obviously um, sending things to us. And, and we even had a GoFundMe page that a, a bunch of friends had started. Um, so we sent out a postcard that had her picture on it. And her name means Lion of God, too. So that was mm. um, something that we always, um, you know, wanted her to be remember, remembered for was Ari, Lion of God. Um, so we sent out these postcards that um, I'm actually holding on to it right now um, that said, you know, thank you for surrounding our family with prayers, love and support. God sent Ari not only for us, but for you to change your life and to draw you closer to God, to seek refuge in him, to understand he has never nor will he ever abandon you. He is an everlasting God encompassing all that is love. Ari is a reminder of that. A reminder to live life as God would want you to and to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. And I think that's so important right now, too, with everything that's going on in our world. Um, so, yeah, some people have said, wow, she's changed my life. She's you know, brought me closer to God or she has you know, put so many things into perspective. You know, the days that I yell at my living children and I'm like, well, at least my living children are here to yell at each other, you know, when they're yeah. arguing, you know, um, and. I'm sure there's, you know, unmentioned, um, but to me, um, that's wonderful and that's great that she has impacted so many lives, but it also is more important to me that we continue to honor her life by honoring ours. And I have no control of outside world stuff, right? I have no control mm -hmm. over the energy of what everybody else, whether they choose to remember her or not, that's not my concern. My concern is that myself, my husband, my son, you know, my immediate family continue to just live our lives in a way that would honor her. Yes, that's just so beautiful. But thank you for sharing because those ripple effects, sometimes we don't even realize um, the effect we have in other people's lives. I was mm -hmm. sharing with you before we started recording that my sister passed away and she was 18. Yes, yes. And we did find out about like things of how her life had impacted other people's lives and her death, you know, mm -hmm. how it had made other people's lives so much better because of how how they've grown because of that experience. But um, a lot of times we don't even see it in our, we don't, we don't realize even in yeah. our lives how many lives we're impacting. And this is, this is a little angel that came for nine hours and 51 mm -hmm. seconds. Am I saying right? 51 minutes. Right. Yeah. 51 minutes. Sorry. Nine hours, yeah. 51 minutes. Yes. And the impact that her short life still had in the souls mm -hmm. that are on this, on this earthly plane. And mm -hmm. that's, that's, I think that is such a big, big uh, thing because a lot of times we, we end up saying, but why, why were they taken so early? Like they didn't get to go to college or they didn't get to do this. They didn't get, you know, we associate life in our timeline here by what time means for us on earth based on the sun and the, you know, but right. time of the soul is so different. You know, there's no, <laughs> that's right. It's different. It's not, doesn't go by those parameters. And right. so, um, so seeing, seeing and hearing these stories of the impact is just uh, very moving. So thank you. Course, now thank share you. a little bit, Lisa, about then the, the um, 413 program you have, mm -hmm. the things you now do, um, and then we, and you can share a little bit how people can reach you and I'll make sure to include it in the show notes, but, uh, yeah, share a little bit of how that transit. Well, actually, how, how did you transition and how long did it take you to now 
create this? Let let, let me backtrack first. How long did it take you to then now, like when you realize, yeah. Well, I knew obviously that she was sent to us for a reason. Her nine hours and 51 minutes, like you said, I think she served her purpose. I would of course have loved, absolutely would give all of this back. Uh, yeah. to have her back again. But I know that that is not an option. Um, so I think, you know, in those nine hours and 51 minutes, she served her her purpose to mm-hmm. change the trajectory of my life. So like I said, I'm, I'm a dance teacher and I still love teaching dance, but I knew I was called to 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 help other bereaved parents um, because I, I don't think there is enough or could ever be enough support for mm-hmm. grief, um, especially for bereaved parents because I think a lot of people... Um, are just so uncomfortable with um, the death of a child, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's miscarriage, stillbirth, um, um, an older child. I just think a lot of society just is so uncomfortable with it, um, and and I would like to help help in that respect as well. Um, but almost immediately, it was just like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? Instead of asking why, I tried to mm-hmm. turn my why to what now? What can I do with this? What I have this pain, and I don't want this pain to go away because that's my connection. That's my gift for knowing and loving Ari. But I don't want this pain to just be pain. I want this pain to serve a purpose. So, you know, I, I almost forced things for a while and it was it almost backfired because it was, I wasn't taking care of myself right away. Um, but then as soon as I kind of surrendered um, and, and used movement, obviously being a dance teacher that helped, but also working out was a great way for my husband to release and have that opportunity for us to do it together. It was such a bonding, connecting moment. Um, actually my first workout back after, um, her death was probably about four weeks after, and we did a family workout in the back stairwell of our gym, just so that we didn't have to talk to anybody, but we were able to like move and just do our own thing. Um, so I started to take care of myself. I started to, you know, do a lot of self-discovery, a lot of self-care stuff that I didn't do before. I started to journal. Um, I actually started journaling when I found out I was pregnant with her um, and and did so with Chase too. And I continue to write in those journals. And just as many healing modalities that resonated with me, I clung to. Um, Mm. And I I did see a therapist. I did EMDR therapy um, just for the trauma of, of helping, helping lessen the trauma of, of giving her physical body over. Um, that was so traumatic for me. Um, so continuing with just self-care, regular self-care, and then reaching out for support, knowing that I couldn't do this alone. And the support groups that are at the hospital were somewhat triggering just because they're at the hospital. So I knew Mm. that wasn't for me. Um, I love, 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 love hearing stories and sharing and holding that space um, for everybody's journey. But I also like it to go somewhere. I like to have a facilitator that tells me, okay, now what can we do with this? Or what are your next steps? Or what are your goals? And I didn't find that. I didn't find that anywhere. Um, It wasn't until I worked with my own coach that um, I started to, you know, have those tools um, readily available. Um, because they were all stuff that was from within. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't have to necessarily go anywhere. Um, So that is what I started to create. And um, it was last um, June that I became Better Not Bitter Mom 
uh, LLC. And then I started to kind of create a journal. I started to dabble in writing. I started to try to figure out what it would look like for me to help bereaved parents. And um, all of a sudden these online courses were popping up all over the place. And I was like, well, could I do something like that that incorporates not only, you know, key grief concepts, um, but also workout videos and stretching and expressive movement and mm-hmm. confidence mantras of positive affirmations and journaling, just kind of like a hub for bereaved parents to have at their fingertips. Um, so I worked very closely with the bereavement coordinator um, at our local children's hospital. She's been a godsend. Um and just uh, have everything clinically approved by her so that I didn't just put something out there that didn't have quality or wasn't accurate. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. grief journeys are all very different. Very different so not everything yeah. is going to resonate, but there are a lot of universal things that um, we you know, thought were very important to get out there. Um, and so I designed what's called the 413 method. And it's 413 because that's Ari's birthday. Birth. Birth. I just, as I, afterwards, I was like, now I know, as you're talking, I'm like, yeah. I know now. I'm like, yeah. I want to say like, it's kind of like I've watched a movie and then I was like, oh, yeah. I know the, you know, I wanted the answer yet. I, I got it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. The way of honoring her. Okay. So sorry. Thank Go you. ahead. I was oh, like, but it's also my favorite Bible verse, Philippians 4.13, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that was my favorite Bible verse before Ari was even, wow. you know, a thought. And it's tattooed on my spine now. <laughs> so oh, wow. 4.13 can is... You repeat, can you repeat the Bible verse, please, again? Philippians 4.13 yep. is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And certainly certainly can. <laughs> mm-hmm. So 413, yeah, it, um, it, it has such a, a meaning for us as a family. Um, but also the, the online course is for like pillars of focus and, um, kind of designed to take 13 weeks for you to go through. Um, obviously grief never ends, but these exactly. are tools that you can continue to revisit because as your grief changes, some of these concepts are going to change. Um, yes. So we we go through um, just content on grief, um, you know, foundations of understanding what grief is and then designing a grief map because I don't believe in the stages of grief. I think you go through different aspects mm-hmm. and I think they're pit stops along your journey. So I actually have mm-hmm. them draw out you know, like a grief map and anger is a pit stop. So now when you're at that pit stop, what is going to get you through anger? Is it going to the batting cages? Is it mowing the lawn? Is it screaming into a pillow? Is it punching the pillow? Is it calling a friend? Is it taking a nap? You find out what works for you to process. So you're actually able to process instead of just ignoring it. Um, and then we go is into it dancing the- it out, dancing yeah, it out, dance it, do whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah. anything that you experience, I have them draw down on this grief map. Um, then we also talk about building your support system based on people's attributes. You know, is your listener actually a good listener or are you expecting someone like I did? I learned this the hard way. I was expecting someone who was not a good listener to listen to me and just be there without offering advice. And that backfired because I put the wrong person in the wrong role. So knowing that your listener is your listener or is your person who's really good at doing things, your implementer, are you putting them in 
the right position. Um, then there's somebody who can kind of occupy your time or be your distractor and give you a little bit of reprieve from your grief for a brief moment um, to step away from your grief for a little bit because you're always going to go back to it, right? You can put it down. It's okay to put it down because you know you're always going to pick it back up. Um, and then even the people who are naysayers, kind of the people that, you know, maybe are in your social circle, but like to make it about them or, you know, they mm -hmm. kind of thrive in the drama situation and kind of make your grief about them. Theirs. Um, mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yep. And we go through a whole bunch of different things, you know, your emotional energy, setting boundaries, um, doing it almost an energy audit. Like where are you, ex you know, expending your energy and where are you getting it back? And is it balanced? Um, talks about, we talk about capacity. We talk about spouse and partner relationships, relationships with other people and understanding that you might not be at the top of their list, but your grief is always at the top of your list or your, you know, loss is always at the top of your list. Uh, we talk about different grieving styles, how you talk to yourself, self-talk and thought patterns, how important those are and unpacking grief and secondary losses. That's huge because a lot of people yes. forget yeah, that. Talk about the second, know. yeah, talk about, cause, yeah, because yeah, we, secondary loss is something that happens quite a bit, especially in dynamics, a lot of times mm -hmm. of friendships, of how certain friendships get, you know, completely just end because of yeah. sometimes after the, you know, or you move somewhere and that's, it. so yeah, tell, uh, what are some of those secondary losses that you've seen that are um, pretty much like that you've seen in common in a lot of either your clients or even in your own life? Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely think, you know, um, loss of future, loss of identity, because, yes. you know, those memories, those, those dreams, um, that we pictured, um, your mm -hmm. role, you know, you, you, especially if that was maybe your only child, your role as a mom looks totally different. Um, even your role as a mom with surviving siblings, it looks different or your, your role as mm -hmm. a dad, um, you know, it, it can affect, um, you know, secondary losses can be your humor. It can be your family structure, um, yeah, a lot of times divorces happen to yeah, a lot yeah. of it in, uh, mm -hmm. in the situations mm -hmm. of bereaved parents. So yeah. that would be a secondary loss mm -hmm. that might have not necessarily been that way, but because of different ways in which these two human beings grieved, things mm -hmm. kind of might have, you know, uh, mm -hmm. changed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those kind of things. Okay. So you talk about all those things and then did I miss a step in you? Cause I interrupted, of course, cause I, that's <laughs> it's okay. I <laughs> just like grief is not linear. My podcast isn't linear either. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, you know, there's, and just about expanding your world because, you know, mm -hmm. when your, your grief takes up so much, um, and especially in the beginning, but when you start to learn what kind of, um, not balances out, but how can you fill your world with things that are going to kind of, um, counterbalance the amount of pain that you're feeling to help that grief not get smaller, but actually grow your world around it. So your grief takes up less percentage and, and is less suffocating. Um, and then we talk about choosing the next better because obviously the, the words of that ultrasound tech that said, you know, this can make you better or better, you get to choose. So what is, what is choosing the next better look for you? And, and, and it's you choosing. So it's empowering you to say that you get to choose. So I choose to get out of bed. I choose to make breakfast. I choose to go for a walk in nature. I choose to remember my child by doing this and do it without mm -hmm. apology, without explanation. No one else needs to, to understand, right? It's for you. Yes. 
Um, especially when you had no choice in the aspect of your child dying, everything else from there on, you do have a choice in how you take every single, I tell I tell this even to my kids and just in life is like, okay, this is the situation. And this Mm -hmm. is a great learning in any situation, not just in the moments Mm -hmm. of grief, but in any aspect of our life, we choose how we react to certain situations. We have Mm -hmm. that choice. Um, and we can react or we, you know, in a way that could take that completely go the opposite way. So that is a great, great learning experience. So do the people, do the people do this course as a group? Do they do it as individuals? Uh, Do they do it one-on-one with you? Is it just, you know, is it an online course that Mm -hmm. they see you? How does it, how does that work? How does that dynamic work? So it's all delivered in videos in a PDF. Like the workbook is probably about 80 pages once it's printed off. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can do it as a self-guided course um, because it like, like I said, it's, it's videos of me. So I'm literally talking Mm -hmm. to the camera and it's like, we're having this one-on-one conversation. I even had a client say that Um, Mm -hmm. she was like, it was so (laughs) refreshing because it didn't feel like school. It didn't feel like class. Mm -hmm. And when you hear the word course, it scares people off, but it literally is. Mm-hmm. it's literally learning tools, you know, watching me speak, or even, you know, if, if you're not watching and you can do it on an app, you can just listen to it when maybe you're in your commute. Um, mm-hmm. And just the delivery. Yes. is so simple. Um, and there's, there's three more pillars to the um, second pillar is just kind of coaching you through your wellness toolkit. So mind, body, and soul. So like I said, I have workout videos. Um, I have mantras that you can say. I have a morning checklist. Um, I have a hydration tracker, a workout tracker, tips for better sleep. Um, I have a bunch of guest trainers that come in um, and talk about gut health um, too, Mm -hmm. because of how, you know, your body can, um, you know, conserve energy when you you feed it fuel. And then as far as like your spirit, your soul, writing a letter to your pain, writing a letter to your child, breathwork sessions, expressive movement, calming breathwork. So it's just filled with lots of different healing modalities um, to help you process your grief. And then um, community, everybody who purchases the course, um, there is a group coaching program option or a one-on-one and group coaching program option. But if you just choose to do the course by yourself, you're still included in the Facebook community and slack.com so that you're off of social media and you're able to, um, you know, kind of stay focused instead of distracted by all the social media scrolling. Slack.com. This is the first time I'm hearing this. Slack.com. Okay. We're off off the podcast. (laughs) I need to hear more about this. Okay. No problem. (laughs) Um, And it's just a, a, a private way to be able to um, communicate with everyone and you can ask questions. So we troubleshoot in there. We celebrate grief wins because celebrating any step in grief in the forward moving direction is worth celebrating. Um, We have story share so everybody can share their story. Um, There's just different channels that you can create yourself so that it's kind of filed neatly um, to keep an order to it. And you have access to this beautiful community 24 seven. And then the fourth pillar um, is uh, continuing bonds and connection with your child. So, you know, it walks you Mm -hmm. through different, different things that you can do with linking objects or writing a letter to your child, um, you know, in different prayers too. Um, so lots of, lots of stuff is included. And once you purchase the course, you have it for life. You can download it all and never have to pay anything ever again. And you can have it for life because like I said, as your grief journey changes, you might have to revisit your support system because 
people might change come in and out of your life. Um, your grief map's going to look a lot different as you find different outlets that help you process. Um, and your capacity is, you can always work on your capacity. So it might expand and grow and you might be able to add more things into your life. Um, so it's it's yeah, a it very holistic <laughs> all Beautiful. around yeah I was, that's, that's the word that came to mind when you were talking about the mind body spirit component yeah. I'm like wow this is so holistic I just I just didn't want to interrupt her again because if not then uh we would go somewhere else but what you said too about the fact that they have this now readily available for mm -hmm. them to use in the future too because if they ever they they will because we will all have different mm -hmm. types of you know uh experiences with grief in our life so therefore they can use that material again to go and navigate another grief journey too right, um right. so not just the one that they might have first right. you know bought the the course for right this is beautiful it, you it's, so it's all the all the gratitude that comes from such tragedy and pain and bitterness like you were you know the the and you chose all these avenues venues of being able to turn it into the better component and giving mm -hmm. back and giving all yeah. these tools to mm -hmm. other parents because you saw that need because you needed it yourself and yes. um it's just such a a beautiful way of honoring her life um thank you and keeping her memory alive of course she's always you know, alive and, and, you know, and I, I, I think we can relate in that aspect in just a different, just a different way. Um, but, uh, thank you once again. And is there anything else you wanted to share? Uh, oh, you want to say in the name of the website, but I will put it on the notes, but do you want to say the name of the website for people to find you? Sure. Um, it's grievebreathebelieve.com. Um, and then specifically for the 413 method, it's 413movementmethod.com. And then they can find you on uh, Instagram with the Grieve, mm -hmm. Grieve, yep. Believe, um, an Instagram. Yes. And again, Lisa, thank you so much. And thank you for Ari for also allowing us to share her story, allowing you and to the to your son, Chase. Thank oh. you for, for making my eyes tear up with the beautiful soul he is with the moments mm -hmm. you shared about him and his uh, the maturity of his spirit. Um, thank you. thank you for sharing that. Of course. Thank you. I look forward to, you know, hopefully connecting with those that are listening. Um, so please reach out because it's, um, it's an honor to do the work that I'm doing, but it's such an honor to hear your stories as well and to see how um, this community has come together um, and continues to grow and build. It, it's a beautiful thing. So I wish you all, you know, continued healing on your journey um, and, you know, know that I wish you weren't here, but now that you're part of this, you know, bereaved, brave community, um, know that you're not alone and that you have the choice you know, you have the choice to um, be a active participant in your grief journey. Um, so it was an honor to share this time with you so much, Kendra. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Lisa. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. 
Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.